Traveldren, Legends and Lore. Episode 49, Mortalkind Part 1, The Elyelium. Well, hello and welcome to Traveler and Legends and Lore. I'm Chad Corey, and this is the first of a new season, Season 5, kicking off with some interesting things today I'll get to in just a second. So thanks so much for your help and support. We wouldn't be able to get to this Season 5 without people actually being willing and interested in learning more about the podcast, about the content, and... Uh, I really do appreciate that support. Speaking of that, if you are interested in sharing your commentary, any ask any questions or things of that nature, uh, whether it might be for this episode or previous episodes, I do encourage you to drop me a line at lore, that's L-O-R-E, at chadcorey, that's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E dot com. And I'm also just curious if you want to let me know where you're listening to this podcast, where you're finding it. Uh, that includes what country you're in. It's always interesting to me to see how far this information is disseminated and, and who it reaches in general and how. Uh, not just from a marketing standpoint to seeing what's effective and what's working to get the word out there, but just how people come across it and where. It's always kind of curious for me to see where things go. Uh, we live in a very, very big world, and it's often interesting for me at least to see you know all the nooks and crannies and how things get put out into people's hands, wherever that may be. You also may notice that we have a new opening uh, introduction going on for this particular season. I figured it was time to spruce some things up just a little bit since we're in that magic season now of number five, kind of that milestone. So I thought that'd be kind of time to do that. This is also in line with what I've been doing for the other podcasts as well. Kind of tighten some little bolts here and there and doing some tweaks, uh, fixing some things, adding some things as I go, kind of sprucing it up, like I said, for all the episodes and uh, podcasts as I get a fresh coat of paint to start off the new year. So if you're interested in those, you can go to chadcorey.com and check them out. Well, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, we're going to be focusing on mortal kind for this season. And conveniently, we're going to be talking about 12 different uh, groups of mortal kind, which work very well for this monthly release schedule. So we hit each one in turn, and we'll talk about each one in a little bit more in detail. As you may recall from the last season, we covered a lot of historical information and background about the world setting and now i want to change gears and get more into the people the populations that live in the world and focus primarily on mortal kind who is probably the most dominant character or aspect i guess you can say of the world setting they are primarily the major people groups and cultures and things that i use to tell the stories on trollerin so it's probably important that we get to know a little bit more about them in general what makes them uh, click, so to speak, and give you guys some more insight on some things that you might not necessarily find anywhere else, which is the general purpose and idea of this podcast in general. So what are we looking at with Mortal Kind? Well, first of all, there are 15 peoples who are grouped into Mortal Kind. All of them share the same lineage to the Draenors, and I believe we spoke about them before in previous episodes, but as a recap, they're an ancient people who were first created by the gods at the dawn of Trollodon's creation. Some will have a more direct link to the Draenors of mortal kind than others, but all of them can trace their ultimate lineage back to them. And what constitutes mortal kind is really divided into five main bloodlines, if you can say. 
Um, there's dwarves, there's elves, halflings, humans, gnomes, with half-elves being a blending of human and elven ancestry. Humans and elves are the most populous of mortal kind, with each having five specific bloodlines of their own. Uh, these generally are found in certain parts of Trilodon, which we'll talk about in each of their uh, episodes, and they do have some mingling further afield depending upon the various timelines we get into. But overall, with the elves, you have the Athoni, Aquadian, Elelium, Patrius, and Savani. And with the humans, you have Athoni, Selators, Nepoese, Nordicans, and Talborians. In this episode, I wanted to start off with probably the most famous, most populous group of elves. And we'll take that and go for the rest of the elves for the next few episodes. And then probably switch over into the humans and then go from there. So first off, let's look at the Elyelium. They're the most dominant type of elves in the Midlands and uh, into parts of the Southernlands, representing what many think of when they hear the word elf. Primarily, you're looking at them standing somewhere between 5'5 and 6'5 in general, average weight ranging from like 120 to 250. The eye colors range from green to brown to blue, and typically they have a light to dark brown uh, or blonde color hair with reddish blonde or black also being uh, mixed in there and their skin tone usually ranges from a light to a medium tone. Generally, Elelium appears similar to humans, primarily Taborians in particular, uh, except for their pointed ears and a slightly taller frame. Like all elves, they can't grow facial hair apart from their eyebrows. Traditionally, Elelium wear togas, tunics, robes, sandals, However, many have long ago adopted the dress of other cultures they've encountered over the centuries and adapting it to their own culture and purposes after donning more traditional garb for special occasions or added prestige. Men typically don't do much in the way of adorning their heads, but women can and do make use of shawls and other forms of headdress as their station and financial means allow. For jewelry, they universally favor precious metals and gems, opting for rings, necklaces, bracers, bracelets, circlets, and for women, earrings. When it comes to weapons, uh, the Elelium favor gladiuses, spathas, short swords, along with spears, daggers as their weapons of choice. When it comes to armor, they can, can and do make use of other forms as best suits their needs and situations, but many will adopt Elemic armor, which is something pretty much akin to, if you understand, ancient Roman armor in a lot of respects. Their shields and helmets can vary as well. Those favoring the Elemic armor also using larger body shields. Closed face helmets tend to be rare, and half face helmets are usually only adopted by specialty units or those seeking to make a certain impression. Most Elelium make their home on Coloni, but also have been spread far into the Midlands and even in the Southern Lands. And you'll get a glimpse of that as you read the stories, particularly starting out with the Wizard King trilogy. When it comes to the language, Elelium speak and write the ancient language of Elonum, which they hold as the closest to the original tongue used by the elves before splitting into the various branches. The written language is an orderly and logical form of writing in which there are no lowercase letters, and is written in a series of block-like lines, making perfectly straight letters and presentations. These same letters are also used as numerals. Names are also a very powerful way order is maintained by the Elelium, as they think this is the last true remainder of the original Elven way that was lost long ago with the splitting of Elven kind. Males are named using a selection of about three to five names from the family tree, 
that they have favored over the years. Usually they name a male child by having the firstborn be named for the oldest male in the family, and then in descending order from there. The middle name is taken from the clan the family came from in the days before the kingdom and later empire of Colonia. The last name is the name of the original founder of the family line from whom the Elvin family descended. Females are named for their father, but have his name made feminine by placing an I or IA at the end. So Julius will become Julia, for example. Until a woman weds, she has the middle name of either Meoia or Secadus, which tell her birth rank should she have a sister, for they would be the same name. This pattern repeats itself if there are more daughters in a family, their name being taken from the next oldest male in the family. When married, the woman's middle name is changed to a feminine form of her husband's last name. Her last name is arrived at the same way as the male's, but when married, she loses it in favor of her husband's last name. So a typical unwed Elemic female is named Julia Maya Dentis. She weds Gaius Porcius Carbo and becomes Julia Carbea Carbo. Naturally, as you can tell, such a system is wrought with confusion due to the repetition of names used. Nicknames and various titles have been added over the years to help define one Gaius from another. Such titles could be used from feats of daring in battle or politics or taken from a physical feature such as hair color, personality trait, region they live, grew up in, etc. Uh, these nicknames or titles are often applied to like a second surname. So, for example, you have Gaius the Proud, Gaius the Victorious, Gaius the Fair, and, and, and so on. When it comes to religion, most Elilium hold to Aerotripton as their god of choice. Some others might hold to others of the light gods or philosophy, but the near-universal mindset of one is following after Aero, who is, after all, a god who literally knows Elilium better than any other. Elelium are assumed to be the closest to the original stock that was created by the curse of the gods placed against the Draenors before the Great Shaking. Following the disaster, many found their home on what would be called Colony. It was here they built their great origin city of Remolos and forged a mighty empire to wage war against Gondad. In the end, they fell from power, their empire being shattered and reduced to a republic with imperial trappings. They can still lay claim to some old territory off of Colony, but these lands are more independent and regions now than imperial holdings, though more effort has been pressed by emperors in recent times to take greater control of the old territories for maximum profit and mastery. When it comes to their society and culture, for the most part, the LLM are a people concerned with order and the maintenance of the status quo. All things have a purpose and their place, and all must learn to keep it and serve it well for the glory of the Elemic nation. This usually means men are more dominant than women, and those of rank and station, even more so than those of lesser standing. This cult of order extends to even how they manage the land, seeing it as something that has to be tamed and conquered, again for the greater glory of the Elamic nation. In civic matters, the emperor is supreme, followed by the senate, and then lesser persons of nobles and rank. At the bottom end is the patriarch of a family who is usually the oldest member and who serves various familiar matters as a sort of lesser emperor over his immediate and extended kith and kin. The men under him have some lesser degrees of power over their own families, but in more of a senate-to-emperor type of relationship. Needless to say, this sort of structure is not without its some conflicts and struggles, but is what has served the Elelium for millennia who aren't ready to change or abandon it anytime soon.
Generally speaking, Elalium have a mixed bag when it comes to relations with the rest of the world. For many, they are seen as aggressive conquerors who zealously protect as well as spread their culture and nation. Others hold them as a rigid people stuck in tradition and order, while still more see them as the natural counterbalance to the Talborians in many things. The Aldelium themselves don't think that much of other peoples in general, seeing themselves as the only continuous civilization in modern history. They still have their own origin city and have kept the old culture and customs enacted since before recorded time. While some aren't so steeped in this form of national pedigree or pride, others hold to a more moderated approach, keeping a fuller perspective on how they are just one people out of many on the planet. And with that, we'll wrap up this particular episode talking about the LLM. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Please feel free to share again your comments, your thoughts uh, to me at lore at chadcorey.com. And also, if you want to follow me online, please do so as well. You can find me at Creator Chad on Facebook, Twitter, or X, I guess you can say, Instagram and YouTube and all the other usual suspects. That also is the same for Trolladon, just at Trolladon, at Facebook, X, and Instagram. You can also find me on chadcorey.com and trollodren.com. That's T-R-A-L-O-D-R-E-N.com. And also there's a newsletter you can subscribe to if you want to be kept informed of that as well. So thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next episode. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved.